What is up, happy lifer? Happy February. Did you know that this year it's leap year? So we actually get an extra day of February this year. How about that? I love that. And I love February, which is good because February is a love month. You know what else I love? I love Momentum Chiropractic in Puyallup, Washington. I spend my life adjusting people's happy, helping them adjust their attitude, helping them see things with a different perspective, encouraging them. And that's what Momentum spends their life doing as well. They spend their life adjusting me as well as so many others, which makes it possible for me to do what I do. It's a great team. And I'm so happy to have Momentum Chiropractic on on Happy Life's team. Thanks, Momentum, for all the lives that you change, including mine. And thanks for bringing us this episode. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you how to operate in a spirit. This is Happy Life Studios. This message is for you. This message is for you. This message is singular to you. It's not for anybody else. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to understand. Hey, are you happy? Now that's a great question. Does your sun set high? Does your sun set high? Welcome to Happy Life Studios. Hey, are you happy? If you're not, then why? If you're not, then why? We're here to help your life be happier. I have to say, it feels so good to be home. I just got home. From a two and a half week incredible journey where we did a bunch of happy use, uh, spoke at some churches, uh, spoke at some schools, did a lot of coaching, and uh, I am worn out, but it feels so good. A couple of other things that I did while I was out there, I did a few leadership sessions, and I, I wish you could have been there. I wish I could take you guys with me when I go on these trips. And as I thought about it, you know what, if I can't take you with me, maybe I can bring the trip to you. So I thought I'd talk to you today about one of the things I talked about in one of our leadership sessions. I want to talk to you about 12 perspectives. Actually, it's two perspectives given by 12 people uh, in the in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the book of Numbers. And right around chapter 13, it starts talking about uh, Moses had been leading all these people for many, many years to get to this land that God had promised them, a land of good and plenty, a land of, I love good and plenty. Do you like good and plenty? You know those little licorice candies? Good and plenty, please. Papa, good and plenty. Don't know any other candy that I love so well. <laughs> I just had some last night. Sorry if that's probably, probably why I'm thinking about it. But God had promised his people that he was going to do something good for them. He was going to send them to a land. They had just gotten out of 400 years of slavery And he promised them, I'm going to lead you into a good land. And so Moses sends out 12 spies. It says in Numbers 13, verses 1 and 2, that God spoke to Moses and said, send men to scout out the country of Canaan that I'm giving to the people of Israel. Send one man from each ancestral tribe, each one a tried and true leader in the tribe. So these are leaders of leaders. I mean, we're talking a lot of people here. I don't know how many millions there were, but there were a lot. And uh, one from each of the tribes. So these were, you know, like it says, they were tried and true leaders. He says in verse 18 to see what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. Verse 19, see what kind of land that they live in. Is it good or bad? 
Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring samples of the crop that you see. And that's what they did. They came back and they reported what they saw. It says in verse 27, we went to the land to which you sent us and oh, it does flow with milk and honey, exclamation point. Just look at this fruit, they said. The only thing is that the people who live there are fierce. Their cities are huge and well fortified. So if they were asked to report what they saw, and that's exactly what they did, then why does it say in verse 32 that the men spread a bad report about the land? Weren't they doing what what Moses asked them to do? I mean, they did exactly that. It's because they said they couldn't do it. It was too hard. The people were too big and too powerful. There were too many things going against them. And yet this is the land. It wasn't just the land that they wanted to achieve. It's the land that God had promised them. It's the land that they prayed for for 400 years while they were living in slavery. And now that they're out of slavery and they're ready to go in, instead of looking at the promise side, they're only looking at the circumstantial side. And to be honest, (laughs) I can't blame them for doing what they did for unbelieving because I do it all the time. Only it's not about people being large and fierce. It's about circumstances being too big, being too looming. But I know, God, you promised this. I know the Bible says that you promised that you would never leave me or forsake me. I know that you promised all things work together for good. I know that you promised that you want to give me hope and a, and a future. The Bible is full of promises, but we don't always read the promises. We read the circumstances. That's what I tend to do anyway. You know, you got people out there oftentimes that, that when they when they get negative, they hide behind the realist excuse. I'm a realist. I can't believe. And I know being a realist, it's translated many ways. There's positive ways to say you're a realist. I'm talking about the realist that always, they use it as an excuse to be negative. I'm a realist. I call them like I see them. <laughs> What these guys didn't realize that in verse 16, it says that these are the names of the men Moses sent out to scout the land. Moses gave Hosea, son of Nun, a new name, Joshua. First of all, I love that his name is son of Nun. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. Those are 10 of the people that God calls the sons of Nun. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that God chose the foolish things of the world. He chose the things that are not to nullify the things that are. And if God chooses things that are not, why do we try so hard? to be things that are. Now, I know son of none is actually spelled N-U-N, so it's kind of a play on words, right? But the point that God is trying to make here is that, I don't know about you, but when I watch sports, when I watch MMA, oftentimes, you know, it's hard for me to watch some guy pound some other guy. But when I'm cheering for the MMA, I'm so fickle. I'm so funny. The guy that's getting beat up really bad, I'll cheer for that guy. I, I have no skin in the game. I just, the guy that's the underdog, I want that person to win until that person's on top, pound on the other guy, and then I switch my my allegiance and I want to go for the guy that's getting pounded on but I think that's the heart of God God is always going for the underdog he always goes for the guy that's that's getting beat on God loves a good underdog story the Bible is full of stories where you look at Moses Moses was one of the most powerful men in the world I mean he was the son of Pharaoh so you got Pharaoh you got his son, I think it was Ramses, right? And then right below him is Moses. Did God call Moses then? When Moses had all that power, did God call him then? 
No, he didn't. He waited until 40 years later when Moses had gotten the crud beat out of him, um, had murdered a man, been living in the wilderness by himself with a stupid stick, right? We call it a staff. We like to make it sound like it's very big and spiritual and religious. But when he was down at his lowest, not when he was at his highest, God called him. There used to be a cartoon out there, Mighty Mouse, I believe it was, you know, and he'd always sing, Here I come to save a day. <laughs> I never see in the Bible where God called a guy that was just said, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the guy, I'm, I'm ready to go, I'm, I, I can do this thing. He always calls people that are the underdog stories. And here, Moses changed his name from Hosea to Joshua. Hosea means salvation. Joshua means God saves. So what's the big deal? I mean, salvation, God saves. Isn't that the same thing? Yes and no. So what's the difference? Well, one's a noun, salvation, and one's a verb, God saves. It's the same thing, but one is in the noun form. One is in the verb form. And I often think we see God as a noun, not as a verb. We always say, you know, in church, people always say, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. If God is good all the time, and I really believe that, I think that's why we got to say it, because you say it enough, you begin to believe it. But I think we forget God is good all the time verb. We just know in our minds, well, yeah, God is good, but is God being good? We see God's goodness. We see God's power. We see his love, but we see it as a noun. We don't see it as an active verb. Romans 15 Uh, Verses three through six in the New Testament says, each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? Then it goes on to say, that's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles. Check this out. But waited right in, the Bible says, and helped out. I took on the troubles of the troubled. That's what Jesus does. That's what God does. God takes on our troubles. He isn't just good. He is good in action. He isn't just love. Love can be a noun, but love is also a verb. When you say you love somebody as a noun, well, that's cool. You love me. But when you do something to prove that love for me, or you just do something to me because you love me, or do something for me because you love me, that is completely different (laughs) in my opinion. Jesus wades right into our troubles, the Bible says in Romans 15, and takes on the trouble of the troubled. Moses changed Hosea's name to Joshua. He changed it from, sure, God is powerful. Sure, God saves. Sure, God is good all the time. He changed that to, God is not only powerful, but he's powerful now. God not only offers up salvation, he saves now. He's not only good all the time, he's being good to me right now. You see, the problem with being a realist when you're trying to be a leader is in the very next chapter. In verses 1 through 3, it says, The whole community was in an uproar, wailing all night long. All the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The entire community was in on it. And you have these leaders, the tried and true leaders of the tribes, the, the best of the best leading, and they were calling it the way they saw it. Well, yeah, the fruit is great, but the, the people are greater. Sure, that this, this promised land, sure, this promise God has given me is a good promise, but I know God is good all the time, but these circumstances are too great. And when you lead like that, and I'm not saying that we stick our head in the sand and not say there's anything thing wrong. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying we admit the fact that the people are strong. That's what makes it 
so great. But when we lead as that realist, what I when I'm saying realist here, I'm talking about the person that wants to give him excuse for being negative. I just call him the way I see him. But life is more than just calling it the way you see it. The Bible says that we walk by faith, not by sight. You know what the the next verse says? This is where it also gets you. When you when you lead like a realist, it's not going to work out well for you in the end because it says in verse four, it, they said, "Let's pick a new leader. Let's head back to Egypt." And you know, even when you look at the political scene, how everyone's trashing everybody, and we're we're trying to call out, and we're, we're using it as an excuse to to just be negative instead of instead of being positive. After a while, people get tired of that. I look at the NFL. You know, the Super Bowl was played yesterday. And I'm recording this beforehand, so I don't know who won. But you look at the NFL, and you get these coaches that come in, and man, they can just yell and shout, and boy, they can turn a, a, a team around like that. But I rarely see that team winning long term. They can turn it around, but after a while, you just get tired of all the yelling. When you do yelling all the time, yelling becomes the norm. Then how do you get someone's attention? When we're negative all the time, instead of saying things is tough, but we can do this thing. You know, we need to go back to the faith, hope, and happiness podcast we talked about. That's why I'm so lit up on this whole thing, because things are being revealed to me at this point. I'm talking to me as much, if not more than what I'm talking to anybody else. That's why I'm getting so excited. And you know what? Sometimes we just get tired of the negativity. Yes, things are tough. Yes, circumstances are rough. Yes, that costs a lot because something that's worth having, that's what valuable means. It's something worth having. It means it's worth a lot. If it's worth a lot, guess what? It costs a lot, but it's worth it. That's what makes it so great for us to drive around a nice car or wear nice clothes or, or have nice things because we know that this thing costs me a lot. That's why it's so valuable to us. And yet sometimes I think we want life to just be given to us. I mean, God said, I'm going to give you the promised land. And he wants to show his power. He wants to help. He wants to show that he is good all the time in action, not just words. So the big people are there. The fierce situations are there. The, the walls that want to stop us are there. Yes, because God wants to show up and God wants to be powerful now. He wants to save now. He wants to be good now. He wants to be good verb. So while these leaders are going on and on, the people started saying, let's pick a new leader. Let's go back to slavery. For 400 years, they've been crying to get out of slavery. God shows up, delivers them from slavery. Now they go, let's go back to slavery. Ever been that? I just wish I could go back. I do that way too much. I do that a lot. I was going to say all the time. I don't do it all the time because I'm getting better at it, but I do that more than I'd like to. And all of a sudden, Caleb, one of the 12, there's two spies, Joshua and Caleb, that did not report the report that everyone else did. They said, the fruit is big. The fruit is great. The land is great. The, the land is fertile. We are going to do very well here. That's what they said. They said, yeah, the people are big, but God is bigger. That's what they said. It says in verse 30 that Caleb interrupted. He called for silence, to, told everyone to shut up. He called for silence before Moses, the Bible says, and said, let's go up and take the land now. There's that word now again, in action. We can do it. He wanted to stop all the negative talk. He wanted to stop all the, oh, the people are big, the circumstances. He he wanted to stop. He wanted to, faith, hope, and happiness is what he wanted. He's like, we can do it. This land is great. Let's go do it. Yes, the people are big and scary there, but God saves. And that's what I want to say to you. I know life is tough. I know life can get difficult. I know life can be the opposite of what we feel like God has for us. You know, in fact, many times I think that God promises us stuff and then he steps back and he just waits. 
and life comes at us and circumstances come at us and if they're big and fierce and we go, but God, I thought you said this. I thought you loved me. I thought you, you were going to give me this. I thought you were going to, yeah, but there's going to be a price to pay and I already paid it. I mean, God already paid the price. He sent his son to earth to die, tragic death, rose him again so that we could be free. He's already paid the price. It's valuable. It's worth it. My freedom is worth it, but there's going to be a price. And what we have to do is we have to hold on to what God has said. We have to change God's name from noun to verb. We have to have to not just believe that God is good, but have to believe that God is good now. That's what God wants. Otherwise, what happens is if you go back to Numbers 13, verse 33, it says, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And that's how we seemed to them. Wow. We seemed like grasshoppers. We felt we were small. We felt we were just a bug around these people. We felt we didn't fit. I saw this quote yesterday in a school and I was there watching my son perform for a state soul on an ensemble. In one of the classrooms, it said, it was a quote from Einstein. It said something like this, that, that we're all geniuses. But if you try to teach a fish how to climb a tree, he's going to feel stupid. That's, that's kind of my paraphrase of it. But oftentimes, we're comparing ourselves to other people that have different strengths, that have different abilities. Sometimes I get around some people and I just feel like a grasshopper. Because And I get around other people, and I just feel like a giant. Because other people, they climb trees well. I swim well. And I allow my insecurity to be a circumstance that becomes giant and fierce. I allow it to become a wall that stops me from breaking in to that promised land. Yeah, they climb trees well. I don't. That's okay. That doesn't mean I'm a grasshopper. I have nobody to blame but myself when I feel like a grasshopper. You know, I say this all the time. We shouldn't be surprised when people try to devalue us. We should be surprised when we allow them to. People are always going to show up and and people are always going to be a quote unquote realist as I was talking about today. But that doesn't mean I have to allow them to get to me. They don't determine my value. God determines my value. And I am priceless. I am worth it because he sent his son to die for me. And I accept that. I receive that. I'm like, okay, God, if that's what you want, I accept that. I want to follow you. I want to be your friend. I want to do things the way you want me to do. And that's something that we should all say to him. We should say, God, that's what I want. I want you to be boss of my life. You pay the price for me. I am valuable. I am worth it. I accept that. I receive that. And I bring it into my life. You're not only good, you are good now. You're not only righteous, you are righteous now. You're not only powerful, you are powerful now. You're not only love, but you are loving me now. Because when we seem like grasshoppers, then that's how we look to everybody else around us. And I know that I've put off a very grasshopper image many times. In fact, I got a lime green suit and grasshoppers are like lime green. So <laughs> there's a story behind the lime green smiley face that that represents happy life. So so much of my life, I felt so small. I felt so insignificant. I felt so insecure. And I came across that way to other people. And there's been many times in my life where people just, they look past me. You know, and they, they pick someone else and it would bother me. I'm like, why do you not see what I have? To, I have something to offer you. Why do you not ask for my opinion? And inside I'm screaming, someone pay attention to me. But on the outside, I'm, I'm showing grasshopper. And people don't ask grasshoppers for their opinion. And that's one thing I'm trying to learn how to do too, is I'm trying to realize that I am not a grasshopper. I am called by God. I am loved by God. And so are you. You might not sit in front of a microphone. You might sit behind a desk in a cubicle. You might stand behind a broom and push it all day. It doesn't matter what your career is. 
You've been called by God. God loves you. God made you. God has a plan for your life. And it's to get you out of that slavery, out of that bondage, out of that thing that holds you. And, and he wants to bust that down and he wants to give you freedom now. He isn't just peace. He wants to give you peace now. He's peaceful. He's the prince of peace. That's what he wants to do. Joshua got his name. Moses changed it from Hosea to Joshua, from God is salvation, but God saves now. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to change my name of myself. I'm not a grasshopper. I'm a giant. The the life circumstances may be opposite of what I feel like God has promised, but that's okay. I'm holding on to God. I'm going to believe God. Only two spies of the 12 made it into the promised land. All the other 10 never made it into the promised land. And all the people that followed them never made it into the promised land. And if you want to make it into that good land where you feel good about yourself, where you feel confident about yourself, I'm not talking about where everything is perfect because if it's valuable, it's worth it. And if it's worth it, it costs a lot. And if it costs a lot, that means we're going to have to pay a price for it. And I think oftentimes I just want God to come in and I want him to fix it all. But God's like, no, but there's a price to pay for this. And God did fix it all. But sometimes I have to hold on to God. I have to hold on to, there's a song that we used to sing about this very story. We've been deceived by the devil too long. We're going to tear that devil's kingdom down. Whose report will you believe? We'll believe the report of the Lord. And so don't just be that realist who only looks at circumstances while I call them as I see them. You got to also include a hope in there. Remember, we got to include faith in there. Remember in that faith, hope, and happiness podcast where, where whatever you hope for, faith is a substance of whatever you hope for is going to happen. And so if I just want to be a realist and I only want to look at the negative that's going on in life, then that's probably what's going to happen. What I'm going to believe for is probably what's going to happen. That's why I want to believe in hope. That's why I want to believe that God is so much bigger. That's why I have these dreams that I am going to make it into the promised land. Ann Dinish, author, said this, a dreamer is a realist with faith. So what I would say to that is that if you're a realist and you call him as you see him, don't forget the other part of the equation. Don't forget that not only God is good, but God is good now. Don't forget that, that God's got a plan for your life, and he's got a plan for your life now, and he's working on it right now. It's not like he's got a plan. He's like, well, I hope you accomplish it. He's like, if you'll help me, I will help you get there. Now that is what I call a happy life. Be a dreamer, a realist with faith. Hope in the promises that God has given you. Hope that life is going to turn Hope that you are made by God and you are loved by God right now. He is powerful and he's working in your behalf. Get on his team, embrace that and say, that's what I'm going to believe. Remember, life isn't perfect, but it can be happy. Steve Ace.